in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the revelation and further insight that we can understand you as you understand us so that we can know who we are and what we can do and what we should do. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask you to allow your Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit, just let the words that flow be your words, substantiated in truth with a firm foundation of the Word of God, Father, as we consider those things that you have enlightened us with. Let us partake of them. Let us receive them. And most of all, Father, minister to each and every person here and each and every person that's watching and shall watch that they will be blessed. We thank you for it, Lord. We're here to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. We began a journey on righteousness. Now, I'm going to give just a quick uh, overview of it in case some of you didn't get it. And uh, this is an assignment that I've accepted. It's an assignment from Whitaker Publishing to critique and do an exposition on uh, E.W. Kenyon's series of library books. And the first assignment they gave me was the two kinds of righteousness, and it was rather timely because I happen to be dealing with that right now. So I take those kind of things uh, as the Lord just affirming this is what he wants. Uh, I want to say this from the very beginning, that uh, E.W. Kenyon uh, is a tremendous theologian. He's passed on in early spring of 1948, um, but he's not the final word on the word. And uh, he's a man. He was a man, uh, a wondrous man, a man who no, undoubtedly spent a lot of time in the Word of God to receive the depth of what he got. But it's been passed on. And many types of ministries have, have, have blossomed out of his works. Um, different messages, the faith message, uh, the supernatural message, uh, the prosperity message. Everybody took the stuff he said and they, they went in one area of it and these things grew. And because of that, you'll hear me often say and always say that I don't want to adhere to any specific message other than the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. But I do wish us to take the full buffet of everything that God has. And so we don't want to diminish one for the other. We don't say less grace for more prosperity. We don't say more love for less power. We don't say more supernatural for less balance. We ask the Lord to give us all of it equally well. We want a full diet of everything that God has. So my attempt is to bring that balance into these works. And you are taking this journey with me and we're taking it with E.W. Kenyon and we're bringing it into the present day and into the future into all of the things that God has called us to do. So as we do this together, we want to grow. We want to continue to establish the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation and most of all to build and equip you and the body of Jesus Christ to be able to stand and then stand again and more than be conquerors I want you to be able to be able to stand in the flurry of the world and the tempests of all of the trials of life that you have with a, a faith that cannot be shaken and shook. So with that, uh, let's continue on. I'm going to give you a quick overview, and we're going to move forward. And uh, part of that overview is, is uh, first of all, there's some very strong misconceptions of righteousness. Righteousness, when we put it into the secular sense, is somebody who's not doing wrong or somebody who is standing with justice. 
And that's good, but it's further than that. Righteousness is a nature of God. It's part of his divine nature. Now, this is where I differ with E.W. Kenyon a bit. He came to the conclusion, after all of his studies, that righteousness was the divine nature of God. Righteousness is a divine attribute of the nature of God. This is my apostasies. And the divine nature of God, as best we know, that has been revealed to us is the glory of God. It's all about his glory. John 17 makes it very clear in 21, 22. He said, I want them to be one even as we are one, and so I give them the glory that you have given me. He didn't say, I give them the righteousness, I give them the grace, I give them the supernatural, I give them... He said, I give them the glory, but embodied in the glory of God is the fullness of all of his character, of everything that he is. And let us be clear, you cannot diminish God in any one aspect. For example, you can't piecemeal righteousness. You can't piecemeal love. You can't piecemeal his power. You can't piecemeal grace. You can't piecemeal wisdom. God is all of those things in the most purest form in an abundance that never stops. And all of who he is is all of what he has imparted into us. Part of that is his righteousness. So what I want to do is break down a little bit of how we get to righteousness and why righteousness is so important. Also, we want to deal with sin consciousness. There's a scripture, and it's in Hebrews. And in, in that scripture, it tells us uh, Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 3. Let's read the word of the Lord, and then I'll embellish on it. Hebrews 10, 1 through 3. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, and this is where I want to give emphasis, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Now, Paul, who I believe was the writer of the Hebrews, allow me that. You can differentiate if you wish. I can't understand anybody else living at his time when it was written that had that vast knowledge that he had as both a, a Jew, a believer, and, and a Hebrew, and a Roman. But in any regard, that being said, put that aside. Sin consciousness. Sin consciousness is what made Adam say, oh my God, I'm naked. And it's what made Eve uh, then realized that, that they had fallen away. And it's what made God say, who told you you were naked? They became sin conscious. Sin conscious was passed down to every one of us from the fall of Adam. And God needed to solve the sin problem. He did. The problem is, is that those who even believe that Jesus Christ is Lord linger with a sin consciousness. Let me give you an example. When you get a visual image of God, and even though we know he's never been seen, he's invisible, the Father, we still, I know you and I, we get visible images, right? Um, we see him on a throne. We see his feet stretching down to the bottom. We, all of the things that we've read in the Word of God, we receive as an image of the Father, of God Almighty. One of those images that many people get is a God of judgment. 
They get a fearful God, almost like the Wizard of Oz type of thing where there's this embellishing and booming behind the curtain and he's going to do this and there's judgment that's going to come for sin and he's going to punish. It's almost like the image of Korah. Remember Korah in Numbers? I think it was 16, 1 through 40. If my memory's correct, you don't need to go there. You can test me later. Where's Jeff's wife at? She always checks me out in the Word. I don't see her here. She's probably out there. Anyways, Korah. Remember what happened with Korah? Korah was in rebellion to God, and there was 250 with him, and God swallowed them all up. And then the other two Reubenites that had made allegiance with him, God took them too. So, and, then, and then the children of Israel got angry. And so we get this visual of God as being one who wants to get even. He is a God of vengeance, but all of that has already been paid by Christ. And so that sin consciousness lingers in people that are believers. And because it does, what it does is that it is the antithesis of faith. It's that which will hold and restrict faith back. Faith what? Faith for healing. Faith for growing. Faith to overcome. Faith in everything. Because what God has given us is his same nature do you think that God doubts that he can do anything at any time in any place? Is there any force on heaven or earth that can withstand God? That is the same kind of attitude that we're supposed to have. It's called a righteous attitude. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He who is within me is greater than he who is in the world. This is the attitude we're supposed to have. And then we get coming with that sin consciousness is a false piety. I call it a false humility. Oh, well, you know, God's so, he's got so much more to do than just me. I'm, I really don't count. And I mean, yeah, I've had this problem for 20 years, but think about the poor person who has no legs. I just have a pain in my leg. And have we not heard it all? I've heard it all. I've gone to pray for people, and I have to get through that sin consciousness many times because it blocks faith. If people are stuck in a sin consciousness and think they're not worthy because they're condemned for some reason or that somehow God hasn't put them at the highest value to do all things with them, you're locked in sin consciousness. And so, unfortunately, I would have to tell you that if we were to look at the nature of the body of Christ right now, and the body of Christ is organic. It's an entity. It's not just a phrase. And, and the body of Israel is organic. It's an entity. God said that he's going to marry us at the marriage supper as the body of Christ. And he also said to Israel, the, the spiritual Israel, who has divorced you? I never gave you a divorce, right? He's still married to him. He calls Israel the daughter of Zion. And so we see that there are organic entities alive in the spiritual world of the kingdom of God. And these entities, if they're bound in sin consciousness cannot walk in the fullness of what God wants. So the first thing we want to do as believers is destroy sin consciousness. How do we do it? Well, we have to do it. I remember one of the first sermons I heard. I came out of my walk in the temple. I came out of trying to find God. I came out of being a hermit in a house for almost a year. I, was, I just finally came out and I took, and I went to the YMCA. You know why I knew? Because there was a poster on the YMCA that said that brother so-and-so was going to be preaching there Sunday. 
The only reason I went to the YMCA was to get a hot shower. I had no electric, I had no water, I had no power. I would sneak into the YMCA and would just go in and get a hot shower and, and that's where I would, 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 would have my bath and, and whatever I had because I had none at home. And I saw this, so I was excited. So I'm gonna go hear this brother. And the very first sermon I heard was called Stinking Thinking. And he went on talking about how our mind gets in the way of what God wants it to do, and we've got to cast out the stinking thinking. Well, you know, I mean, I'd been in the Word for a while. I didn't see anything that said stinking thinking. I had to go and, and embellish it a little bit, and then I came upon the revelation about the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. Your mind must be renewed. So let's hold on to that thought, and let's go through a little bit more of a background. We have failed as the body of Christ because we don't get beyond the condemnation. How many of you know who the accuser of the brethren is? He never stops. It doesn't matter just because you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's going to stop accusing you. He may not destroy you and take away your eternity, your life, but he will take away your joy. He will take away your peace. He will allow you to stay as sick as you're willing to stay sick. He will allow you to be as poor as long as you're willing to be poor. Now, I don't preach a prosperity message, but guess what? I don't preach against it. I don't believe God wants us to be poor. In fact, I know that he doesn't. Here's what I know. He says, but ye seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all these things unto you. There's a path and a way that we get to the abundance of God. It's not by claiming it. It's not by naming it. It's not by feeling as if somehow we're entitled beyond everybody else. It's because God has an assurance in his word. What you give, you shall receive. What you sow, you shall reap. We have an attitude a lot of times about giving when we really should have an attitude about sowing. Giving, you lose. Sowing brings a harvest. Do you give or do you sow? I sow, and I expect a harvest. And guess what? The Lord says, whatever you sow, it shall bring forth its own kind. If you sow blessings upon people, guess what comes back to you? Blessings. If you sow joy, guess what comes back to you? Joy. If you sow peace, you walk in peace. If you sow war, you get war. If you sow a bad attitude, you'll find a whole bunch of people willing to have a bad attitude with you in a heartbeat. If you sow nothing financially to the kingdom, guess what the kingdom owes you? Let me hear it. Oh, what a revelation. If we hold back from God, God cannot bless us because of his own laws. And one of his laws is, let each kind bring forth its own kind. Now, let's speed dial up to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the kind that is called Savior. He's the kind that's called redemption. He's the kind that's called restorer. In fact, there's a name for the Lord and for Jesus for every malady and problem and situation that we have here on earth. He has presented that as part of his names. Thousands of names of God, each one of them assigned to a specific, uh, that's all folks, a specific need that you have. And so what you can do is not only pray for God to bless you in your need, pray to him in the name of who he is that he has said, I am the God of that need. I am the God of that need. 
Now, another thing, mindset. When we're setting our minds and renewing our minds, there's a scripture that says that by faith we've received Jesus Christ unto eternal life. First John is just has so much in it, so much depth and richness in it about this is his life and this is life eternal that he has given us. But again, it's like the mindset and the image of what we see of God. Do we see God as, 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 as a God of judgment and vengeance that wants to get even with you and is gonna punish you for every little wrong thing that you do? And how do you see eternity? Do you see eternity as something that's only in your grasp when you leave this world? Eternity is your next life? No, eternity is our life right now. This is life and I give it to you eternal. He didn't say, I'm gonna give it to you eternal. He said, I give it to you eternal. Well, what does internal, eternal embody? It embodies all that God is in the present now that he is forevermore. Isaiah got a tremendous revelation. And he got this out of Isaiah 43. And, and Isaiah's shaking his head. Yes, Isaiah, you got a tremendous revelation. This is his revelation. He said, when you were in your past, I am there. When you were in your present, I am there. When you are in your future, I am there. Eternal God is not consumed by time. He is not restricted by time. If you have an eternal mindset, time doesn't matter to you anymore. Time doesn't determine when you're going to have your bills paid. Time doesn't determine how long you need till you get over an illness. Time doesn't determine, for me, what the speedometer says. That's all right. Time, time can be your ally. Time can be your nemesis. Everything marches by time, if you allow it to. But there's something that happens when you take a pause in eternity. All of a sudden, you say, you know what, Lord, I just surrender to you, the eternal God. I'm not gonna measure myself anymore by time. Time, you do not have a force over me. Now, as someone gets older, you look back, and one of the things that I always challenge myself and many not to do is not count regrets. How many of you that are past the age of 21 don't have any regrets? Age 30, age 40, age 50, eh, eh. you have regrets. But something has happened when the righteousness of God was imparted to you. You became a new creation. And when you became a new creation, the word of God that God gave us through the Pauline revelation was that old things have passed away. All things are new. Those regrets only exist in the sin conscious mind. If you have those regrets, it means you got to deal with the sin consciousness. If you're dealing with the things you didn't do right instead of the things you can do to bless God in an assignment, you're dealing with sin consciousness. If you're walking in a condemnation because of failures, missteps, misguides, ab abuses, bitternesses, unforgivenesses, whatever it is, it's a sin consciousness. And so we all have a lot of work to do, don't we? Now, righteousness doesn't come in works, but works does not prove righteousness. Let me give you an example. Righteousness is a free gift of God. You can't earn it. He said, 
your righteous works, your good works, they're, they're dirty rags to me. Don't come to me with your own righteousness. So whenever we find ourselves trying to prove ourselves to God, we're actually giving displeasure of God to ourselves. Look what I did, Lord, and the Lord goes, next. God is not moved by what we did. God is moved by our heart for him. That's why I see today, you know, I'm not going to name the person, but you know, Anwar Fazal is part of this ministry. A beloved brother sends his love and asks for prayer because uh, some of the children don't want to come back. And the reason they don't want to come back is because of grandma and a few other things. So I know they're going to be listening. Grandma, I love you, but I told him, you're the man of the house. You know what God has told you supposed to do. You need to act with what God has told you to do and let nobody get in the way. Whatever God has told you to do, we shall support. So pray for him, please, because God did some supernatural things to make a way for he and his family for safety, for their security. But one of the things I saw was somebody sent it to me was a thing that was on YouTube. And it was a minister who had been over in Pakistan. And they showed this big crowd. And this person didn't mention Anwar's name, didn't mention Isaac TV's name, didn't mention Eternal Life Ministry in Pakistan, and answered questions from an interviewer that it was all about them. And when it was all done, I sent it to Anwar and I said, son, I've told you over and over and over again that the Western mentality of the business of the ministry is all about oneself. And isn't that a sadness to the body of Christ today? Every one of us should be pointing to God. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I can't do nothing without him. Yes, people will be healed, but without the healing touch of Jesus Christ, it's not happening. Yes, sins are forgiven, but without the blood of Jesus, they're not forgiven. Yes, I can have a new consciousness mind that walks in extreme faith, but unless the Holy Spirit is helping me to keep that mindset, I will lose it in a heartbeat. All glory must go to God. And that's when God smiles and approves of the righteousness character that we have inside of ourselves. How often do you have to renew your mind? I was going to say, if most of you get by with one, one time a day, God bless you, you're doing much better than me. I was, in, I was in South Florida recently, a couple days ago. If anything will test your faith, your peace, your, it's South Florida. Took my grandson on a go-kart track, and did you ever see that Mario Karts where the gorilla's on one and he bounces everybody off? We had one of them. And then I find out he happened to be a professional racer who was having fun knocking little kids and grandpas off the track. It was like, you want to meet grandpa? I got Pete and repeat right here. You want to? I was okay with me, but when he got my grandson, it was like, woo, you know, it's like, ah, my wife's praying. She's praying and she's praying in tugs, and I'm. had to renew the mind. Remember the thinker? How did, how did the thinker go like this? Stinking thinking, had to get out. The thinker had to renew the mind. And the peace had to come back. The peace had to come back. The righteousness of God. 
You're surely going to be tested. You're surely going to have temptations. You're surely going to have people falling short. Pastors fall short. I wish I could be everything for every one of you that you want me to be. Ain't going to happen. So I may as well tell you right now. I'll, I'll counsel, but not too long. I get bored with counseling. I'm just not that kind of guy. I, I'm just telling you the truth. I'll pray with you, but not a hundred times. I'll pray with you to get you to where you're supposed to be, and then I'll ask you to pray for yourself and find a prayer partner. You see, I've had to learn not to be people's God. I've had to learn not to be their faith. I've had to learn not to be their band-aid. I'm not helping people when I do that. I end up getting exhausted and they never grow. They're just looking for the next person, the next place, the next short fix, the next good word. Well, guess what? There is a good word. It's called, it's called the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God, when we grasp that, then we can be the ones who pray in faith. We can be the ones who have fellowship with God Almighty. Stinking thinking, sin consciousness, blocks us from having fellowship with God. It absolutely does. How do you know that? Well, do you have peace? No, I don't have peace in this. Lack of fellowship with God. Do you have joy? No, I'm pretty unhappy. Lack of fellowship with God. Are you seeing results in your life? Nip. Lack of fellowship with God. When any of those things line up, you know you've got to deal with the mind. You don't have to deal with your heart. You have to deal with your mind. God will deal with your heart. Too many people say deal with your heart. You don't have the capacity to deal with your own heart. You don't. God says, I will give you a new heart. Yes. Beloved, I'd love to give you a new heart. I wish you could give me a new heart, but you can't. But I'm sort of glad it's not you determining my heart. I'm glad it's God who determines how to give me the heart surgery that I need. And so we need to deal with the mind. Because unless you've never received Jesus Christ, I can tell you right now, you are fully equipped for everything you need in God. You just need to get the hindrances out of the way and activate the things of God that are already yours. That's what we're talking about in the righteousness of God. So, I'm actually beyond the summary, but I'm in the summary, but it's all good. Revelation of righteousness. There's one statement that says righteousness brings right standing with God. I want to tell you that I don't think that's enough. You say, what? No, it's not enough. It's okay to have right standing with God, but it's better to understand how righteousness came and why we have it. And so I want to give you a scripture. And I want to go to uh, Romans 8.1. Can we take me to Romans 8.1, please? Actually, take me to Romans 8.28 first. And then we'll go backwards. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Let me stop right there. Can you honestly say you really know that? Take a moment. Pause. Can you honestly say you really know that? Because there are times in my life when I have to question that again. All things work together for God, for good to those that love God. But when I say to my mind, wait a minute, that's, that's the word of God. That's the truth of God. I need to reset myself 
in this circumstance, in this situation, in this unbelief, in this area of question, and I need to reset it, and I need to make a declaration. How many of you know that declaration is the highest form of praise and prayer that's in the kingdom of God? God never asked to declare things. He just declared them. Jesus didn't tell us to ask a mountain to move. He said, speak to it and tell it to move, and it will be gone. When God moved in his prophets and gave the prophetic word, he said, declare this word. When Jesus spoke, he didn't beg, he didn't ask, he declared, and it was done. He told the fig tree, be gone. He told the lame man, get up. He told the fish to get into the net. He just declared it, it was done. Declaration is the highest form of walking in the power of God. We need to declare, come on, help me, Pastor Barney. We need to declare to ourselves more than we declare to everybody else. I need to declare to Frank and say, Frank, you can do this thing. This is not going to take you down. It's not gonna stand in your way. Enemy, you're not gonna steal it from me. I declare all things work together for good. So let's stop a moment and let's make a profession of faith. Are you a new creation? Then I'd like you to declare this with me and say after me, I declare that I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And I declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and that all things in my life must, must, must work together for my good according to God. I've said it. He said it. It is done. Give the Lord a hand in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, if you had an image, a visual of what was happening in the demonic world assigned to make your life terrible. They just realize who they are. They just realize what they can do. Oh my God, they're going back to get some more orders. What do we do next? They know what they're doing. And guess what? Their principality and power is telling them, I don't know. Because there's nothing they can do. God has already won the victory for you. You are more than an overcomer. Therefore, there is no in. There's no condemnation unless you think it and allow it. Don't worry about what people say. Those words fall to the ground. They're dust. They're broken like a fragile piece of glass that's been hit with a hammer. Before it hits the ground, it's so many shatters of little glass, it has no effect. Only if you keep it together like a mirror. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to boast about this, but I was telling somebody about it yesterday. In fact, I think it was Dan. Dan, I think you and I were talking yesterday, and we were talking about a church and how somebody in that church had written a terrible thing about my wife and I. We just stood in to become the interim pastor for a little bit. The church had been fighting each other. This side hated that side. That side hated this side. This side was they threw the pastor out. It was like, we, we just got stuck in it because I was the only person left to preach. And so they put me up there. And I, I never wanted to be a pastor, hadn't pastored. And sure enough, wouldn't you know, after about two weeks, a letter comes in the mail. 
and it's and it's it's written with nobody's signature on it and it's to the beloved beloved people of and I won't name the church and then we find out that some person and I found out who it was a lady sent it out to like a thousand people all over the country and what she said was that the police were at my house arresting me because I had beaten my wife I was like and she was she was angry I was I laughed but I was also you know agitated and we prayed about what do we do with that well you know what I did with it I do what the devil hates I took it into the light I took it right up and I held it up and I said this is lies this is deceit this is deception meant to divide this church further my wife and I are not moved by this and we both looked at him and said we're fine been no police no beating honey I ever hit you no honey I, you ever hit me yes I said that's okay <laughs> but then the power of God came down upon me and prophetically I said I call whoever did this you need to repent and I'm willing to meet you at any time and any place. There's forgiveness in my heart. But if you don't, this will consume you because you've touched God's anointed. Within two years, that woman was cuckoo, asylum, insane. And then there was a pastor. And he was just embellishing the fact that I'd stumbled a little bit. And he announced to the whole world, he's done, he's finished, he'll never walk again. And instead of coming to me with his arms around me as a young, young man in Christ, and who was, was wounded. And instead of doing that, he announced all of that. But God, by his grace, gave me a couple people around me that encouraged me. And I learned the forgiveness of God having come out of the legalism of the Jewish temple. I didn't know grace. I didn't know grace. I only knew works. I only knew the God that sits on the throne and punishes people. I didn't understand the grace of God that loves. And oddly enough, as my wife and I were thinking about it, that man fell out of the ministry three years later and guess what he's in a psychiatric ward it's dangerous when people speak things against the anointed of God we are the mouth and grace and heart of God we're supposed to walk with love it teaches me also to watch my own words do you understand David when he said touch not God's anointed he had every reason and right as the anointed son of God David appointed for the kingdom of God. He had every reason to say, Saul, you're over with. You've been trying to kill me. I got you. He said, I'm not going to touch the anointing of God because of the fear of the Lord. He didn't just see the Lord as one that's sitting on judgment. He was looking for the favor of God. When we walk in the attributes and heart of God with grace, with love, with forgiveness, with long-suffering. When we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what, guess what you do receive? The favor of God. The favor of God doesn't have a price tag, but you can lose it. And you lose it when you put yourself in the place of God. God can't favor you in what you're doing for yourself because then you'll think you're God. He wants you to give it to him. So many times in my life, I've just been expecting and expecting and expecting, and I said, wait a minute. I receive not because I ask not. Let me ask. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I said, oh, my Lord Jesus, help me never to get to that point again. We want to walk in a realm of favor that we think and expect that God owes it to us when God is saying, I want to favor you, but I want you to know that I'm the one who's favoring you, the righteousness of God. Let's move on further. 
and I'm moving along pretty good. I'm only going to be another 10 minutes. How's that sound? Somebody start their clock. Sin consciousness. A believer stands complete in Christ because he's partaken of the fullness of God in Christ. There's nothing left for God to complete in you, but that doesn't mean that there's something left for God to do in you. And so let's go back to Romans 8, 28, 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. I want you to understand something. You have the right to say, God knew me before I knew me in God. The word says it. Now, we can get into Calvinism and all of the isms. I, I, you know what? They just confuse things. I know what the word of God says. The word of God says he foreknew you. And because he foreknew you, it then says he predestined you to be conformed to what? The image of his son. There's a word out of Hebrews. It comes in one and it says that Jesus, who is the brightness of his glory. That word comes out of the Greek. It's hepogosma. And what it means is that it's so bright that you get the off flash. It's like a camera and what you see is the flash, but you're not looking directly into it. Jesus is the off flash of the glory of the Father that he has predestined you to be made into the image of the glory of God. Now, why the off flash? Because if anything that is impure comes into the pureness of the glory of God, it will be destroyed. Nothing can stand in front of the fire of God that isn't walking in righteousness. You need to be righteous. There's only one way that you come to righteousness. We'll get there in a moment that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Next scripture, please. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. You may think you found God, but God found you. You may think you called upon him, but he first called upon you. He called upon you before you were in the womb. He called upon you in the womb. He called upon you when you were incarcerated. He called upon you when you were addicted. He called upon you when you were crying and broken and down. When you didn't even know he was calling upon you, he was calling your name. And when he said your name, he said it to the universe. Every being that had ears that could hear heard your name as the Lord called you out. And he called you by name. Come, come. Come, come, I've called you. And then he says, after I've called you, and whom he called, them he also justified. You know what justified means? It means that you've served justice. It means that justice has reproved you as acceptable. Justice always finds its way. How many of us hear that all the time? The law will find you. The just shall live by faith. Justice always finds its way. But that word righteous also means justice. It also means just. And so what happens is those whom he called, he had to justify you in order for you to get to the final part, which is glorification. And in between it is sanctification. He had to get you to that part where you could be righteous before him. Justice had to be served. How was justice served? Jesus Christ. He paid the price for your sins. Now, I don't have time to get into all of this because I only have seven more minutes. Shame on you. 
Ralph. <laughs> so, justice was served because Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 5, 21, he was made sin who knew no sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus Christ was made sin. Not just all, any sin, he was made your sins, your personal sins. He had to pay the price for you. Now, when justice had to be served, there had to be a penalty for sin because God had spoken through his prophets that the wages of sin is death. God wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about spiritual death. It goes all the way back to the garden when you know, God had told him, you will surely die. And the devil said, you're not gonna die. Well, guess what? Adam and Eve spiritually died. It was a spiritual death. It wasn't a physical death. They were amazed that they were still alive, but then all of a sudden, sin consciousness came in. There had to be a penalty. Christ had to pay that penalty. It wasn't merely on the cross, and I am in no way diminishing his suffering on the cross. But I have to tell you, he wasn't the only one that was ever hung on a cross. He wasn't the only one who was ever lashed and put on a cross. He's the only one who was the king of kings and who had never sinned that was put on a cross. His only crime was that he healed on the Sabbath. His only crime was that he said he was the son of God. His only crime was that he never lied. He never deceived. There was never a crime that they could hold him against. He was sinless. He was made sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God. And there had to be a price paid. And so he had to go to the place where the price for sin is. And it's called Sheol, and it's in the Psalms, and it tells us about his suffering there. And he said, you will not leave the soul of your servant there beyond its time. And he cries out. And we know that it says he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. The glory of the Father is the fullness of God. The fullness of God enters into the Son who cried out in John 17, 5, he said, Father, he said, I pray that you give me back this glory that I had with you always. And the glory came back into Christ. And he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, and righteousness was imparted to him. And because it was imparted to him, he became the sample son and daughter of each and every one of us. And by faith in Christ, we become righteous. Now, there had to be a cleansing. In order to be righteous, there had to be a cleansing because the nature of God cannot come into these foul bodies and spirits before they're regenerated and renewed. And that's called the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus doesn't just cover sins. That's what the blood of bulls and goats did. It covered sins. It doesn't just give you a, 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 an annual atonement for sins. Atonement means covering. It cleansed sin. And it made you a new creation so that all of that passed away, not one speck left. Guess what happens with the covering? When you pull the covering off, it's all there. It doesn't go away. God never promised in the law that the sins went away. He said they were covered so there could be fellowship. It was, it was a temporary covering. But you have a perfected covering, the blood of Jesus. What does that do? It allows you to receive the impartation of the righteousness of God, the fullness of God, His glory. Now the righteousness can come into a righteous spirit. Your spirit isn't what it used to be. That's why we need to control the mind, because the mind didn't come along with the spirit. There's only two things that can separate you and stop you 
from being renewed in God. And both of those things can work for you. And one of them always is. One is your mind. Your mind can work for you or against you. And the other one, he's the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, he's praying for you in ways that you don't know how to pray. He's ministering to you always before the Lord God Almighty. When you are in agreement with your mind and the Holy Spirit, you become a threefold cord that cannot be broken in the righteousness and power of God in everything that is in you. It's you, it's the Holy Spirit, and it's the covenant, the new covenant of God. When those three are in alignment, you are an impenetrable force. You are indomitable. Nothing can come against you. You can do all things because you're walking in agreement with the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all these things unto you. One last point. What is the kingdom of God to you? You don't need to answer that out loud. Just think about it a moment. The kingdom of God can be a system. It can be a government. But it also can be a way of life. Correct? And we're to seek the kingdom way of life. You can't just seek it one time. You have to seek it all the time. You can be saved, but then you can walk in misery in a sin consciousness, right? But when you walk with seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're seeking not to receive more righteousness. You're seeking to activate the righteousness of God that's already in you according to the God plan in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in your life and his righteousness, and he will add all other things unto you. Notice that the translation of the word is add. Notice it's add. It means that he's going to continue to build these things upon you. Our walk with Christ is a walk that is called sanctification. And that's the last point I wanted to make. Sanctification continues to go on and on. You are already righteous, but God is wanting to perfect you. And so he continues to sanctify us with that same work of righteousness that began in you. And he who began a good work in you Amen? That's sanctification. So, good news. You were predestined. Forget about all your Calvinism and everything else you want to talk about. You were predestined. You were called, or you wouldn't be here. Or you wouldn't be listening, or you wouldn't be saved. And if you're not, we're going to deal with that. You were called. You were justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. The supreme ruler of the universe said, price paid. Beloved, come in. You were washed clean, and once you were washed clean, then the Lord said, now I'm going to sanctify you and continue to work on you. And finally, he said, now I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to pour my glory into you. Beloved, and this is my closing statement, do not chase after experiences of glory. You can if you want to, but they pass on. Glory isn't about, isn't about manifestations of the presence of God. Glory is about the very presence and essence and existence of God in you. You are a glory-powered force of God with the Spirit of God and all of His fullness in you. It's wonderful to chase experiences. It's wonderful to say, oh, you should have seen the glory of God in this place. Well, wherever God goes, it has to be His glory, so that's a good thing. But wherever you go should be an experience of the glory of God. 
You should have the experience of the glory of God in your home. You should have it when you're sleeping. You should have it when you're awake. You should have the experience of the glory of God all times. And sometimes what we need to do is what David said in the psalm. Awaken my glory, O Lord. Amen? I want to take an offering, and uh, then I want to pray to awaken the glory of God in each and every one of you. And um, we're going to open up our altar for prayer. If you're watching online, I hope this is a blessing to you. Thank you. I know somebody called in this week. I was told I love it when people call the church, and and I was blessed that uh, we have people answering the phone that take the phone calls. Um, There's a phone we have that goes with people to answer the calls. And they said we saw it online. That blesses my heart. It blesses my heart to know that we are indeed a ministry without walls, but it blesses my heart even more so to be able to be in your presence uh, here in church. I can't tell you enough how much you mean to me, each and every one of you, and how much you mean to my wife and how much you mean to the leadership of this church. Um, We serve you. We serve you at the pleasure of God. And I have come to the place where I know in my life that without you, I can't do anything. Without you, I'm not going to receive fresh revelation. Without you, I'm not going to have a fresh word. Without you, I'm not going to get to experience the power of God and the anointing of God releasing. It's all because of you. I thank you if you're watching online. Please fellowship with us. Let us know who you are. Um, If you want to write to us, you can. It tells you online how to do so. And here in the house also, if we didn't get your info, if you're not getting uh, the emails, which which usually are only two, maybe three, but usually two a week. One is for the Wednesday night and one is for the Sunday service, maybe something in between if there's something special. I always put a little caption. I do a little scripture. I do a writing about what I think is coming if the Lord allows that week. I know many people receive it from different parts of the world and pastors have told me they use it for their sermons. I'm blessed by that. You're welcome to, free license. It's all about God, no ownership. But we'd like to hear from you. And if you'd want to donate and you're online, then you can do that also. We appreciate it. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of places to go, a lot of things to do. We're very scrupulous about the pennies of God. I tend to think we're very, very good stewards of what God gives us. Uh, We're not into fluff and we're not into waste and we're into total accountability. And we thank God for that. One last thing, in case you didn't know it, um, as people here will verify I never never look at offerings I don't look at who gave and who didn't give I don't look at the end of the year statements the only time is when they tell me somebody gave this special offering and I'll say I would like to know who it is can I know who it is because I want to bless them and thank them for a special offering I don't measure service by offerings that's between you and God but it's not giving it's sowing sowing into your life. We just happen to be that measure that God gives you to walk through, and we thank God for that, and we bless you in that. Once we've collected the offering, I want to pray over it, please. If you have your offering, you haven't given it, just put your hand up so they can come to you, please. Uh, Somebody's over here. Thank you. Somebody's online right now, and you're actually holding your head because your ears ringing so bad 
and you were just asking the Lord for prayer, for your ear to be healed, I want you to know the Lord heard your prayer and he's told me to just tell you, let it be done according to your faith now in Jesus' name. It's because you asked him, not because of me praying. You asked him and God said that because of the righteousness, the faith that you've experienced, God's healing your ear right now. I'd like to know who you are. Let me know, please. I'd like to hear that testimony. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this offering. We thank you, Lord, for those who gave and those who were unable to sow, Father. We ask you to bless them equally, wherever and however. Father, let abundance come forth in many blessings. All blessings, rich blessings, come from heaven above. We thank you to open the windows and bestow them in Jesus' name. Um, I want to pray for the awakening of the glory of God inside in each and every one of you and myself and all of us. Let's just go to the Lord. Father, your son cried out to you, Father. In a moment of desperation, he sang it in a psalm. He put it to music. It was recorded, Father, but we understand now in this world that we live in how he was crying out and said, Awaken my glory, Father. Lord, he wasn't even regenerated. He wasn't even washed in the blood. He wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't have a divine nature that was righteous. But yet he had the revelation of the glory of God at those moments when you filled him with your glory in those moments when he was empty. Father, I ask that you activate within each and every person in earshot of this message, whenever, however, to activate the glory of God inside of the spirit of each and every man and woman. Let the regenerated spirit of God cry out, Abba, Daddy, as you bless and hold in union in one in the glory and the essence of who you are in all of your divine nature. The righteousness of God basking, Father, in your grace, being held ever so close. And Father, this is my prayer. My prayer, Lord, is that you said, that the, through James, that the prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Father, I ask that each and every person here be moved to powerful prayer in fellowship with you, knowing in confidence that their prayers move you and move mountains here on earth, that their prayers have great power, that their prayers are not feeble words, whether they feel they were answered or not in the past, my declaration, our declaration is that the prayers of the righteous person availeth much. And each and every person that has received Jesus Christ is entitled to the righteousness of God and has the righteousness of God because it's you. We pray it. We declare it. We receive it. And we seal it. In Jesus' name, amen.